It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I, uh, we're in snowy Denver, Colorado. Oh, it's dumping up there. Got a guest joining us today. Nice. Here. I'm on single dad duty. So if you hear an iPad in the background and perfect, what's Austin, what's Austin got on right there? So like a little track suit, like waffle mitt track suit kind of thing with a blanket Loving over it. it. Loving it. Um, mom's responsible for most of his wardrobe choices. <laughs> Well, Chaz Smith, it is a historic day. It is January 19th, 2024. So historic, in fact, that the New York Times is breaking news, uh, surf news for us. It's the biggest surf day in recent memory and maybe even memory full stop. Yeah, I can't think of necessarily. I mean, Eric Logan being fired was a, you know, probably the biggest news story for us last year, but that's that pales in comparison. This one is monumental. This one's legitimate. The Eric Logan getting fired was tragic comedy. That was like farce. It was like a Monty Python movie, which was great. And everybody loves Monty Python. But this right here, our news today is like big level uh, Christopher Nolan drama. I mean, this is legitimate news, so much yeah. so that the New York Times is breaking the story on it, you know? Um, for those who haven't heard, Carissa Moore has announced her retirement from competitive surfing. She, world's greatest surfer, I'm calling her right now for multiple reasons, but let's just walk through it real quick, shall we? We shall. Better than Kelly Slater, I'm going to say. She has five world champions, ships, right? Five, should have been six, could have been seven. But let's just, let's call it six to be fair, right? Six world championships. Yeah. Legitimately. Uh, 
Olympic gold medal and had the good sense to step away at the very top of her game, but going to, sorry, excuse me, going to, I'm worked up about this. I sure am choked up, uh, is going to go out. She's going to surf pipeline. Wonderful. Is going to surf the Chopu event. Wonderful. And then going to end at the Olympics at Chopu riding off into the sunset None of this could be scripted better, I feel. Like, it's just exactly the way it's supposed to be done. And let's just juxtapose that to, I think, the other surfer in the conversation of greatest of all time, one Kelly Slater, who was hanging on by his fingernails with a fake wild card at the ripe old age of almost 52 or 53 or whatever he is now. Like, the juxtaposition there, I'm going to say, both her Carissa Moore's accolades, what she's done, and how she's done it, makes her the goat. Kelly is number two in the goat conversation. I've never seen a more dignified exit. Um, you know, I like Kalia Moniz's kind of burning down the house a little bit, yep. but Carissa Moore, and we, we obviously predicted this Carissa Moore news a couple of months ago, probably a lot of people were, stab I, I forget what actually, I got to give it to stab on this one. Remember okay. stab, stab. I mean, you and I talked about it forever ago thinking that there's no way that Carissa after getting burned again by finals day is signing back on, nor is John, John. And I feel that John, John shoe is going to be the next one to drop. Uh, maybe not this year, but certainly next year. Uh, but all the shoes are dropping next year. This is the last year of the WSL. Is, You've heard it here. First. This is the first card to drop. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the first card to fall. But when we talked about that prediction, my thought, I think I said to you on air, maybe was um, if she does do this, she really needs to point the finger at the WSL because we all know that they are the ones who, obvi- you know, the structure of the fo- the format um, contest, season ending at trestles, all that stuff has undercut all of her efforts. And she feels um, undercut by it. And she needs to point the finger at them and state that in order for the house of cards to fall. Yes. Otherwise the WSL can just kind of, I mean, ultimately Carissa Moore said, I just, I'm ready for a change of life. We're planning to have a kid. So the WSL can point at those things and kind of deflect blame. And if John, John doesn't make the same decision that Carissa made, then it really is just, they can kind of get away from this without taking all of the blame, except for other than all of the commenters in their comment section and us having public conversations, pointing the finger at them. Though Dirk Ziff doesn't necessarily have to acknowledge those comments. He can kind of, you know, not fire people and they don't have to rework the format and all that sort of stuff. But she's too dignified to actually point the finger at the WSL. I mean, this is the most dignified exit ever to not blame the person who's actually kind of forcing her hand at this is super dignified. You know, I mean, she is dislike it. Nothing but a class act, right? It would have been out of character for Carissa to come out and flamethrow. She did it in the best way possible, but you only have to look right under the surface to see the flamethrower quietly burning the house down, which is she didn't go to the WSL. The WSL did not break this news, right? The New York times broke this news. Typically when a surfer retires, the WSL is uh, the first to, you know, they'll do their slides and all that. Um, I was informed uh, that this Carissa Moore article was going to drop at 2 AM West coast time. Uh, So I was up at 3 AM punching this one out 
uh, Crazy. Just, just to get it out. But I think I, I even beat the WSL to the punch on this one, which so all of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very clear the WSL and to do it legitimately. She didn't retire or announce the retirement at the end of last year. She didn't do it over the summer. She did it directly right before the hype season kicks off legitimately uh the world surf league presser finally announcing pipe which has been missing for all these months uh got dropped yesterday as well so the day that the wsl drops their presser announcing pipe carissa moore retires boom i don't know yeah. how i mean that is just like a mic drop like no other well we i can't say enough good things i think that carissa moore the video that she published in conjunction with Red Bull on their joint Instagram feeds today to announce this um, in concert with the New York Times New York Times article, I think is the most beautiful, poetic exit. And so I'm just going to play it for everybody because we can't do it justice. And this is in her own words. I've been thinking a lot about my journey. Well, I guess our journey together. A swell has been building on the horizon for a while now, and I feel compelled to follow it and to follow you. To step away from the tour and to see who we are outside of the jersey. A push, a glide, that's where it all started. You lifted me up and in that moment, that was the moment I fell in love. If I think about it, you really taught me to dream. Big dreams filled with purpose and possibility. You pushed me to dig deep, to never settle, and to find a way through. You also showed me how to win and exceed all expectation. There's also been heartbreak, defeat. But you taught me to never be defeated. Keep rising and to try again. You helped me to trust in myself, own my fears and my insecurities, to never stop believing. You taught me that the joy lives beyond the accolades, beyond the titles. It lives in the people, in the friends, the family, the smiles, the love, and the journey. And now our journey continues together. Crossing into the unknown is scary, but you've taught me that's where the real magic happens. I can feel the butterflies, but I am excited to paddle over the ledge, to let go of the rails and enjoy the ride. A lesson that you taught me. Dear Surfing, you've been my greatest mentor. Thank you for the dream, for the adventure, and the endless pursuit. Beautiful. So beautiful, poignant, thoughtful, well-spoken. I mean, she is, again, yeah, her ode to surfing is beautiful. But yeah, she is, uh, has been a gift to all of us, I think. To be able to watch her and what she's done and how she's done it, how she's taken care of her business is like, yeah, can't say enough. And hats off, Carissa Moore will be following whatever comes down the down the pipe, so to speak. Congratulations on an epic career. Um it's really heartbreaking to to see her kind of walk away from it. Is it? Though? I hope that she. 
let's be honest. I, mean, I was thinking, dude, I was thinking, he's at the like, peak. yeah, but screw you, WSL. Like, she'll go, she's well, not like, going to quit. She's going to go do, hopefully, let's hope and let's put some pressure on her here. Like, release content, right? Like, we want to see you surfing. We want to see, I would love to see, yeah, take that dumb WSL singlet off. Go live the surfing life and let's let us watch. Not I completely agree. And I, I, in fact, admire, like, I encourage all of that. I'd prefer to see all that stuff come from her. Like, and I understand also, like, WSL and their shortcomings aside, even if they were running a phenomenal program, she would get burned out after a certain amount of time. You just want to do something different in life. For Kelly Slater to have been doing it as long as he's done is totally wacky and an anomaly. You know, I, what mean, I mean, it's, so, but it's also insane. Did you see th this quote? If I could share from the New York Times piece. Uh, Carissa possesses both the poise and confidence required to venture away from the tour at the top of her game, complete with a full tank of gas. By taking the brave and unselfish step of deciding not to stay at the party too long, Carissa refreshingly demonstrates how much honor and respect she exhibits for her sport, period. As opposed yeah. to Kelly Slater's like just absurd clown show now of watching this rock and roller. Like he ain't aging like Keith Richards either. He is like I mean, who, who's like a real wacky musician that you just wish, wish would go away? Is it? It's That's not... a, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> I it's mean, like, maybe like if Vanilla Ice, if he was still doing it, or Fred I'm sure Durst, he is. I think it's, it, it's like any any musical act that's playing at the Palace Casino is Kelly yeah. Slater. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> I... I'm excited to see what's next from Carissa as well. Um, it's funny how we want to, like, I guess we want to point the finger of blame at somebody and the WSL obviously earned it in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but I'm wondering if, if she goes through this next phase of her life, maybe has a kid, like finds meaning in that for a period of time. And then the WSL shifts ownership, let's say, or management at the bare minimum, and the tour becomes the best surfers in the best waves. I'd be curious to see if she made a second you know, um, a second attempt at it. I could see if Ten, it became, let's say five years down the road, 10 years is too long, but five years down the road. I could see if it became kind of a slam event. If it was like, if there was four majors, yeah. right. If there was pipeline, Chopu, uh, J Bay and well, you know, Fiji, I could see something like that, but I can't see her. It would be undignified for her to come back for a full tour run, even if it, you know, like a full nine stops or whatever it is. Like, I think, I think she is, again, she, like she's stately. And I think it's sort of the people you see return, even winning Super Bowls. Like when Tom Brady came back with the Buccaneers, he won a Super Bowl. That's great. But I still, it was still like an awkward, like you just can't quit, right? You, you don't like you're addicted to this thing and it's not a good look to watch this addiction uh, where, yeah. and that's all we see in Kelly anymore, right? Is addiction. It's just like every the talent is gone. The, uh, you know, the hope for doing anything for winning anything is gone. It's just this waking up and I'm addicted to heroin, man. I got a mainline getting out there and serving professionally. Well, if she chooses to only do pipe and Shopu this year, and maybe she gets wild cards for the next couple of years and she's Olympics events, too. Yeah. And Kelly Slater is going to do the same thing. He'll get wild cards into the premier events. I don't understand how the WSL doesn't recognize that as an indicator of what surfers want. Like, yeah. hey, the best surfers in the world who can cherry pick, they pick these events. 
that's what we should be running. We should only be running in that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, well, CJ Hopgood called in while we're on WSL talk. Um, there's a new crop of rookies coming out of California. American surfing uh, is revitalized. We haven't really had any world title contenders from the USA in a long time. Uh, Griffin Colapinto would be the most recent, but prior to him, it was Kelly Slater, and that was it for yep. you know a period of time, decade at least. So we've got a new crop, and uh, CJ made a really astute uh, observation of one Cole Hauschman. So let's hear what he had to say. This is for the work crew, the men at work crew. Hey, CJ, happy new year, guys. Um, hey, as the year, new year's coming up, you know, uh, a spoonful of, this could be the last year, WSL, who knows, makes the tour go down a little bit easier, but I was answering some rookie questions, and I was gushing out, fanboying out on Cole Hauschman. And the only thing I could think of that I that I was, you know, try to keep a balance. And the only thing I was finding that I wasn't digging on the guy was his haircut. And and I started going in, and as I was doing that, I realized you guys helped me realize it was dude's got the turtle haircut. He's dyeing his hair turtle to already get – he must be a fan of the show, Cole, because he's already getting in Slater's head with that turtle hairdo. I like turtles. And I like turtles. Let's go to work, son. Cole Houchman has his hair dyed. In a turtle shell. I like turtles. It, yeah, a turtle shell, essentially. It looks like he's got a shell of a turtle's back on his head. I mean, amazing if Cole is is both uh, pointing at Kelly and, like, you know, Kelly, I think, has historically been known as a that guy who gets in other surfers' heads, right? That was part of his championship DNA, was walking into the kitchen, you know, when Andy Irons was eating and... You know, other. I mean, there's so many stories of Kelly in the lineup passing, patting him on the back on the beach before they paddle out and saying, "I love you." Yeah, precisely. All of this kind of stuff, you know. And so, what if Cole is saying, "You know, I see you, Kelly. I see what you did. Um, I don't need to get in your head. I can beat you. You know, half paralyzed at this point. But I'm going to get in your head and everybody else's heads. Tour, be on note. I like turtles. I like turtles. <laughs> So it's two, it could be one of two things. It could be him psyching out Slater, of course, or is he a Kelly, D, Kelly devotee where he recognizes Kelly's morphing into a turtle. Kelly's done, you know, incredible things in surfing. I want to be more like Kelly. I want to speak his mantra, drink his juice, do whatever he's doing. And so if Kelly's slowly morphing into a turtle with a shell on his back, I'm going to start one on my head with the head. I mean, it's perfect. I like it. I think it could be both, right? It could be. Kelly, you're not giving up. You're gripping your aged fingers are gripping this turtle, this, you know, on to the last bit of your any kind of career. I'm going to rip that out of you. I'm going to take your turtle thing, but trust me, this is good for you. I'm going to be the Kelly of the future. You're the Kelly of the past. I'm going to be the winner moving forward, but I'll do exactly. it with your mark. I will do it wearing your emblem, the turtle. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I like turtles. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go in against Tyson and I'm going to throw punches against him. I'm not going to try to do something different. 
is Cole uh, on tour this year? Mm-hmm. He's on the whole the whole time. Yeah, he qualified. Okay. Great. Um, and by the way, we should actually do a quick talk about Cole. Um, in everybody in the know who like you know, uh, brand uh, team uh, managers and experts in the space all talk about Cole having the full potential yep. to do major damage on tour this year. Um, I'm curious what they see. I mean, I see he's a great surfer, you know, but I see a lot of great surfers coming up and Michael Rodriguez coming out of Brazil a few years ago, I would have said the same thing about. Um, and then some people have it. I mean, the thing is they all have the talent and the potential. It just, whatever it requ is required of you on tour to succeed is something different than just talent and potential. But everybody in the know is like, no, Cole is going to absolutely do damage. So I'm curious what they see in Cole and if he'll actually deliver on the goods. Completely. I mean, the fact that you have, like, I think students of the game, like CJ Hopgood, for example, like not being able to find a chink in his armor is mm. like telling of. So, and I'm sure these guys who have, you know, CJ is a world champion. Uh, mm. These guys see, you know, whatever it is, whatever the mix of talent and heat strategy and you know all those variables that make professional surfing different than just a great surfer right like clay marzo everybody also agrees is a phenomenal surfer clay marzo mm -hmm. also will never win a world surf league you know heat right well um there's a kelly conversation we need to have but then while we're still on the wsl i'll just state that um they announced a yellow alert for the nazare big wave event and I thought to myself, yeah, yesterday it said likely to run within 72 hours. Oh. So uh, 48 hours from now, I guess. But I thought to myself, oh, sweet. But wait, are they still doing a big wave world tour? Is this just a one-off event? Like I don't fully understand. And then I thought, good for them for actually like doing something. But they've eroded our trust respect all of this enough as core fans and by the way podcasters about surfing who have to come up with stuff to discuss every week they've eroded our interest so much that when they actually now run an event we're not in we can't really muster the interest to become invested in it you know what i mean i mean it's crazy especially when like if this is a one-off that's totally you know i am not personally invested in the big wave world tour right but there are surfers and surf fans who are, who care about, you know, big wave surfing is their poison. Uh, but I, exactly, like I am in this, you're in this every single day. This is bizarrely my job and your job, right? <clears throat> the yeah. fact that I don't know, and you don't yeah. know, if there's a big wave world tour uh, or not, is a major malfunction somewhere in the PR intern's cubicle. I mean, five years ago, I would have eaten anything that they put out with a spoon and watched every minute of it, you know? And it was a slow erosion of like a crappy event, then a crappy season, then what, you know, just a slow erosion. And it's at the point now where even if this is a great event, I'm not back in. They're yeah. going to have to do great event after great event with superstars, setting records, doing new things that have never been done before, put together an entire season to then get me fully reinvested. And so that I think is just kind of an example of how much damage has actually been done by the poo-poo touch, you know? <laughs> like it's, it's not just, oh, you know, 
you lost, you lost a fan and the fan can come back immediately. It's like you actually soiled the entire space so much so that you got to really beg and plead and work hard to get us to come back and be interested. And especially, and that's how I feel about the Carissa Moore thing too. I was getting messages from a bunch of people today, friends, and they're just like, I honestly loathe the WSL at this point because it's not just Carissa Moore decided to quit. It's you guys left a stain on Carissa Moore. You guys actually, it's like if Mother Teresa, if somebody went and spit in Mother Teresa's face, you know, it's like, it is disgraceful the way that you guys are hand handling the business, essentially, handling I mean, your athletes. Completely. I, and to your point, I think the only thing that would bring, it's like, everything has been eroded to the point where there's nothing left. Uh, and I think the only thing that would bring people back into the fold, like the hardcore surf fan as you know, let, let's be honest, this community is small. Uh, it's, you know, a couple tens of thousands, probably worldwide, you know, it, is the actual core loving it surf community right. that feel burned by the world surf league. Uh, I think what will have to happen is the World Surf League will have to fold and a new thing be created in order to reignite the interest in professional surfing again, which again, I don't see it going any other way than this being the final year of World Surf League. I think that Ziff is really pushing hard for let's get to the Olympics. Let's, you know, surfing will, if Chopu is good, surfing will never be as valuable as it is at that moment. And then he unloads it. Right. But that's why, I mean, it's absurd. It's absurd to get a, the, the announcement literally came yesterday, yesterday. Pipe, the pipe event is what? 10 days from window opening 10 days. So it'd yeah. be like if the NFL or baseball or basketball or any legitimate sport waited until 10 days before the season began to actually announce the season is beginning, right. To start yeah. the, beating the hype drum, all that stuff. Like instead of, and this is atypical, even of the World Surf League, it used to be World Surf League would like release whatever slogan they had, you know, kind of whenever the tour ended, there'd be, you know, a couple weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and then it would start, right? It would be, here's our slogan, get ready. And there would be a steady drum beat until the start of the tour, which lasted for, you know, that drum beat lasted for weeks upon weeks, uh, 10 days out nothing. The fact that there is still no CEOs, there is co-interim CEOs who, who have other roles in the company, right? And somebody commented on Beachcrit about the uh, the conflict of interest between having, because head of legal for WSL is one of those CEOs. The difference between legal mm -hmm. and the CEO role, those are two very, very different things. And the conflict running there is like, completely unmanageable, right? So they don't even care enough. Ziff doesn't care enough to even get a crappy CEO, right? This thing is, he is bundling this thing, pushing it through the year to Chopo Olympics only to sell. That's it. It's, and I bet if I had to predict, it would be a Middle Eastern interest and off he goes. Yeah. And CJ Hobgood referenced it in that phone call as well. So there may be something there. I think there obviously is something there. What? Oh, I see. Yeah. Something um, scary is happening on YouTube right now. I'll tell you what, Eric Logan just popped up on the on his favorite children's show. <laughs> um 
so the other Kelly Slater conversation is Kelly Slater and Robert RFK Jr. surfing together in Hawaii. Environmental attorney, presidential hopeful RFK Jr. surfing with Kelly Slater, going shark diving together. Uh, pretty big news. RFK Jr. is the finally, I've been waiting for this since I attended the Republican National Convention in Florida some however 10 years ago now, maybe when old, uh, who was running back then? Oh, it was Mitt Romney when Mitt Romney took the stage. Uh, I've been waiting for somebody to court not just the surf vote, but the extreme sport vote. And lo and behold, we have RFK Jr. Because guess what I saw? Just before this, maybe last week, sitting around with the wife, Cersei Wallace, uh, and a video message popped in from her longtime client, the Olympic gold medalist, Tora Bright, uh, shredding snowboarding with RFK Jr. She was like, ran into him on the mountain, and he's like, come shred with us. And so did a full like, and he shreds. I mean, he was skiing, but like good style and absolutely rips. And so amazing. Yeah. Tora, so shredding with Tora Bright straight into surfing with Kelly Slater, RFK Jr. Going after the extreme sport vote. Have you listened to him at all? Or do you have an opinion on him and uh, as a presidential hopeful? Aside from his voice, which is the worst thing to ever happen to a, like, imagine, like, I wonder if RFK Jr. had a good voice, uh, if he would be too much of a favorite. And so the fates said, you know, we're going to give you a really good package. We're going to give you a family history, an American family political heritage that no one can beat. We're going to give you good looks. We're going to give you all kinds of muscles. We're going to give you intelligence. We're going to give you intelligence. We're going to give you a Hollywood wife, but we're going to give you thanks to what was it? What caused his voice that way? Was it cancer? Was it something? There's something I'm not sure. Yeah, we're going to give you an unlistenable voice. See, it just sounds like decades of hard living is what his voice sounds like. I mean, it's like, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's the the hate on RFK Jr., I personally don't understand. Like, and what is the hatred around it? There's all kinds of hatred. There's, it's like the, like, there's all kinds of. But is it just, is it just opposing political positions that are hating him? No, I think it's like tinfoil, like you just a tinfoil hat, you know, like whatever it is. He's not at all. No, he like has completely, whether you agree or disagree, uh, he has completely sensible and reasonable positions uh, for everything, right? And again, I'm not saying that you need to agree with them. I'm just saying they're sensible and reasonable. Everybody though, from the New York Times to Washington Post, like mainstream liberal media, to whatever is just smearing and tarring him as much as they can. And I suppose it's well, the same way people smear and tar Kelly for his, not for hanging on too long, which he deserves to be smeared and tarred for. But Kelly's, you know, beliefs, whatever it is, it can be, I don't know, you can disagree with them, but they're not necessarily unreasonable. Like it gets annoying when he says things like, I know more than doctors and all that, which is like Kelly's hubris is always annoying but kelly's not like a full-on quack i don't think uh except for when it comes to turtles and the moon and their shared thing but outside of that yeah so all to say i don't understand what the hate on rfk jr is uh i think he's great and i'm a big fan to be honest i think i think it is like a concerted political effort 
to you know smear him and but on to the left too discredit he, him he should be but, like a real darling of the left and he's like it's the left is going after him way harder than the right like the left yeah, is where he gets fully kneecapped he, like liberals because are like, he's not quack. because he's not in lockstep with their agenda you know yeah. like and he's also a truth speaker like he speaks against the establishment and pulls back the curtain i think on what's really going on like the level of expertise intelligence and uh truthfulness and authority just from his history you know his work history and his resume that he speaks with is so refreshing and so unlike any politician i've ever heard you're right it's unfortunate that it's delivered in the voice that he has you do kind of undermine it a little bit um but the words the content of what he delivers you're just like dude clear-minded like blue flame kind of thinker just from a very kind of first principles position, you know, like these are the principles. And so this is where the missteps were by the corporation or whatever it is. It's like, man, okay, this feels like what you would want a politician to be. You I know? mean, anti-big pharma, anti-industrial yeah. like, military complex, anti-these like these kinds of things. I don't understand. Again, I understand people disagreeing with his positions. Uh I don't understand the straight up. He's insane. He's a full quack. He's like a. They just you know, haven't listened to him speak. Oil think, hat. You know? Like, like it's it's bizarre to me though that, I mean, but I guess that's just the that's what's happened to our our political discussion in general is you can no longer reasonably disagree. You have to say somebody is insane. It's true, and it also is reflective of mainstream media's complete like losing the plot yeah. you know like i in complete erosion of their own like um uh i don't know reliability like oh, i goodness. listen to any of that stuff now that they say and it's just like dude i'm just i can't listen anymore to no. mainstream media news no matter what side it's on it's just like you guys have completely lost it no you i mean the the any kind of journalistic integrity and objective gone. objectivity gone 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 from the amount like yeah, buddy will track, find a funny New York Times headline every morning and track how it changes and just send screenshots through the day of from, you know, whatever, they'll make some statement. And then that headline will be adjusted through the day, like politically, right? Which is, are you kidding me? This is supposed to be journalism. You know, whatever it is, it's supposed to, there's supposed to be some level of objectivity for us to buy in. I mean, I guess, in a surf context, the same could be rolled right over to the WSL. It's the same kind of problem, right? Of erode, completely eroding any kind of trustworthiness and assuming that the audience in the WSL's case or the public for the media are complete dupes who are just like full on, yeah, tarted. Well, it's unfortunate that he, I mean, I think he transitioned. He's like running as an independent now, if yeah. at all, if he can even get on the ballot. Yes, he, yeah, in he's, states. he's indie. Yeah. So it's like, he's never going to be the actual president. Right. Maybe. But I think this could, I mean, an independent just won't win in 2024, I but I think this could be a flashpoint of change for 2028, you know, and down the road where it becomes not just a two party system because somebody like him can kind of garner enough motivation and interest that, Every, people start to identify as independent. Yeah, I mean, I just think that the, both the parties, right, have gone so like cockamamie loopy where 
I mean, my goodness, if you're a lockstep Dem or a lockstep Republican at this point, then God have mercy on your soul. Like it is both parties have gone so and I again, nothing against if you're a Republican or a Democrat, I mean, have at it. Right. But if you're like really buying the party line, hook, line and sinker, then maybe think about you're not, it. You're not paying close enough attention then. <laughs> yeah. And you're, or you're only listening to those mainstream media sources um, that you like, and kind of living living of... in that echo chamber. Yeah, but yeah, both both I think parties have lost so much of their people who did identify as that political party for well, a long time that and, people like RFK or you know pulling them into the middle. Any any kind of dignity along the way. Back to our Chris Moore conversation. Like both sides are so undignified. There is no like stateliness. Yeah. There is no you know and and beyond just the whatever trump's tweets or burn or uh what's his name <laughs> biden literally being the weekend at bernie's that dude is like i can't believe like i don't you know you i'll mostly read stuff but the the times that you actually watch him did you watch him at uh the ball drop do we already talk about this the ball drop no and, we didn't uh, yeah at the abc whatever there's just a dumb you know network tv uh new year's eve ball drop he was on uh, with his wife, his wife was looking at him terrified, literally terrified of like, you're going to say something moronic. I don't know why. And he was like rambling on about how he was going to eat ice cream or something like that. He's hey, on the ball. It's New Year's I eat ice cream. Like so, se so clearly senile as he should be. He's what? 85, yeah. 83, something a lot older than yeah. Kelly Slater. But yeah, yeah, it's just absurd. That's who's... So yeah, this is our options. Are you kidding me? Well, anybody who uh, was in Hawaii pictured posing with RFK Jr., Barton Lynch, um, Buzzy Kerbox, all of them, this is the Midas touch as opposed to Elo's poo-poo touch. touch. Anybody who's posing with him, I feel like I, I'm cool. That's super cool. I'm proud of you guys. That's a cool moment. He's a cool guy. Like, good for you. I think that's pretty epic. How much how much listener hate are we going to get for this little bit right here? Because there is so much hate. So well, I would I would love to encourage a listener who's like been listening to this and be like you you guys RFKs are call in because I want to know I really want a like a reasonable understanding of where the hatred comes from and where the again I'm not saying that you have to agree with his opinions or that you have to be voting for him or anything. I just don't understand where the hate is for rfk jr i don't know where it comes from i don't know why it's growing yeah i'm surprised too well back to surfing uh we had a listener call last week about how long it's required to become a local yes i got a lot of speaking of negative feedback i got a lot of negative <laughs> feedback on that one but the most uh salient kind of to the point one is from our good friend uh, famed surf photographer and filmmaker Tony Roberts. So I'm going to play that call for you right now. Austin is on the move. Um, I have very wisely set aside brand new toys that he does not know about yet that I'm going to hand off to him once he gets a little rambunctious. Boom. But I'm going to play Tony's call for you real quick. Chaz and DLS. It is TR and DR. How are you guys? Hopefully great. I'm calling because I'm just baffled by this anonymous caller who is asking when it is okay to self-identify as a local. 
and almost more baffled by your guys' response. Chaz, it's an achievable goal. Or if you're part of a WhatsApp group, DLS, if you surf somewhere for two years, you're a local? Man, oh, man, what's going on here? I mean, I'm sure it's because I'm from Santa Cruz, California. But it's very clear, if you are not born within one hour of a break, you are not a local. If you move somewhere when you're like kindergarten age, perhaps, or younger, you might get a pass. But otherwise, you will never, ever be anything more than a transplant or a tourist. Now, I've been a tourist over half of my life because I left Santa Cruz, California. I've had to behave like a tourist. My children were born, my child was born at a break in front of other breaks that I discovered, and I would still never consider calling myself a local anywhere other than where I was born. Work, boys. What an elitist. Dude, no, I shamed. We were sh publicly and properly shamed right there, David Lee Scales. So his definition is absolutely traditionally accurate. Like, one hour, though. I'm going to say one hour, TR, is way too, like in this specific uh, line of reasoning, one hour is way too far away. I reckon you got to be yeah. 30 minutes maximum. That that's probably true, but I think it's important that his voice is heard. The reason why I played his call, I think it's important that it was heard far and wide for everyone to kind of know historical reference points of like, yes, this is the definition of a local up until the last two or three years, right? But my question in response to that phone call is, is it time to update the definition of a local or is TR right and history is right for a reason and it'll remain to be right? I feel, again, dutifully shamed. I think TR is right. Uh, I think, and of course, of course I needed to get shamed by a, and we all did, by a Santa Cruz local. Nobody has done local like Santa Cruz, where not only do you take your town Santa Cruz, I'm a Santa Cruz local. No, that doesn't count. You have to be, either be a West Side or East Side local, right? Those West Sides and East Sides fight like cats and dogs or did. And then I think there's even subtle nuances in those specifics, right? So nobody does local like Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, I think, and taking this from a Santa Cruzian, we all should listen and learn. And yeah, I think he's exactly right uh, about that being a local. And so you're just never going to be a local, right? Any of these adult learners, you're not going to be a local. I mean, I suppose they could be. They could have been born, grown up on the beach and then discovered surfing late. But uh, yeah, I like... I like pairing back local, what local means to a 0.001% of the surfing population is actually, is actually local. I agree with you. I think Tony's right as well. I think we were totally wrong last week. Sorry, Being listeners. born there, being born there is the definition. And the reason why after I played that call, I said elitist is because now it is to live at the beach, you have to be a millionaire. And so it will just be... Okay, well, no, if you're super wealthy and you have access and you have privilege, then you are the local and nobody else can be a local. That's kind of what it's going to become, but that's okay. I mean, local is 
it's in the name. That's the definition of local is you are from an area, right? So it is what it is. And I, and I think also that there are places, you know, like coastal Florida, for example, is not all of it is not crazy rich or, you know, up the, I'm sure you could, you know, there's like New Jersey, you know, you can go buy a home in coastal New Jersey still, right? There's places you can go and you're fewer not buying a home and being a local, but, but you can make local children if you so desire still somewhere, right? It's not like all closed down for us, but yeah, it's a bummer, well, but he, Tony's right. But the, uh, I have a question though about like, so he was Santa Cruz. He moved away from Santa Cruz, I guess. So once a local, always a local. Is, is great, That's Tony, a great question. Is TR still a Santa Cruz local? I mean, if he goes back to Santa Cruz, I think that he gets treated with a lot of respect from, you know, all the local legends in the know. But I don't think that he paddles out at steamer lane and expects to get first pick of a priority on a set wave. Okay, so he's like local, but you got to start at the bottom of the local totem pole, which is different from. So this is an interesting hierarchical question. Where is who gets the wave, the bottom of the local totem pole or the top of the transplant uh, totem pole? Because the transplant. Right. Say somebody's moved in to Santa Cruz at high school, surfs the lane every single day, is now 43, is like there on every swell. Does he get the wave or does TR get the wave blowing in from DR and paddling out? It's a great question. Mm, complex. Don't know. Yeah. It's complex. <laughs> and well, there's too many variables within every scenario to just create a blanket statement even though that's what we try to do here is create blanket statements okay, okay but so quickly just because this is important i feel that we can get to the we've gotten to the bottom of many things that were seen before as like intractable that these would never be solved we've solved them we put the work in we've used all our brain cells to sort these out i think we can sort this one out uh does it come down top of the blow in bottom of the local uh does it come to skill like if yes it if does blow in surfs better than tr top of the blow in then blow in gets that way sorry about it tr you're so it's his skill plus time beats local so this is the thing too like and i think this is what we have to establish is there's things that beat local there are there's things that there's combinations um, that beat local. Yeah, yeah, there are. They don't necessarily beat it, but they're up for consideration against it. Because yeah. like if the local is like an 80-year-old dude who's, you know, way past his prime and uh, proficiency, you got to just make way for him. You know, sure. even if you're the far better surfer, you just got to make way for him. So At I think- some age, it's it does tip back over. But the dude who's the, the 40 to 55-year-old local who is still catching waves, et cetera, et cetera. This is where the conundrum lies, I think. Yeah, there is all these like little tiny intersections of that you have to really assess the details of, but I feel like surfers are actually really good at that. Uh, well, they're not as good as it as they used to be with all the new surfers since COVID. They don't understand all the nuance of the etiquette. But in general, in my life, in the water, there's this very sophisticated calculus happening at all times of who the locals are, the surf proficiency, how many waves they've caught in this session, 
whether or not they're applying etiquette, if they're not abiding by etiquette, then I'm going to burn them, you know, all of these things. And it runs pretty, pretty well. Yeah. You know, and if somebody steps out of line, it's like 99% of the people in the lineup agree that they've stepped out of line. You don't want that one. Okay. What do you want? You want to go back to these? Okay. I put new toys over here. If you want to go look at those. Um, well, at any rate, locals on the North shore, the Dehui backdoor shootout ended this it week as did. well. Um, so that's the other big news story in competition world. Billy Kemper wins $50,000 narrowly beating out Seth Moniz in second, uh, Jamie O'Brien in third and Makana Pang in fourth. Billy Kemper in the award ceremony said, quote, some of these events in surfing never really register as surf contests. To me, only two events in the entire world hold that power, the shootout and the eddy. They're like, they're more like celebrations of surfing culture and community rather than rankings, ratings, and competition. At the end of the day, the weight of winning the shootout is so much heavier than a WSL event or any other contest, end quote. Felt pretty rude, to be honest, coming from one Billy Kemper, who's eponymous film billy was the only piece of content the world surf league studios ever produced so he was like and let's not forget that the wsl flew on its dime as far as i can tell flew billy back from morocco after he hurt himself uh so for billy to go throw dirt on the wsl's grave you and i can do it all day i've never gotten nothing from the wsl except for a couple sit downs with Eric Logan. But other than that, it's been, uh, I guess I got a couple contest lanyards back in the day. No, that was ASP days. Got to go surf, surf ranch. So whatever. But uh, Billy Kemper, really, it seems like very, very mealy mouthed and rude for him to come after the WSL in that way. But he's right. He is right, but it's, he's not <laughs> the one to say it. He should have kept his trap shut. If you, if you want to, if you want to say that Yes, these iconic, you know, and it's not just the shootout, love the shootout, but it's pipeline full stop, right? Whoever's putting a contest on, whether it's Vans, whether it's the WSL, whether it is Dehui, like pipeline matters as a way. Okay, so pipeline and the Eddie, right? These have weight and gravitas that other contests, I guess, could be argued that Bells has gravitas too, but it's a different kind of thing. Uh, yeah, because the wave gravitas. isn't. The wave isn't. Wave isn't. So proper. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Billy Kemper was absolutely not the one to say this. Well, I'm glad he said it nevertheless. And um, I think he's right in terms of the essence of these events is a celebration of surfing and surf culture. And so we want to get together and acknowledge that and have fun, you know? And yeah, we of course want to see who the best surfer was on a given day. And so there will be a winner, but the WSL format current existence has so much forgotten all of that so long ago that it's strictly nuts and bolts of like mechanics and trying to really make it objective, which is all impossible to do. And there's no respect paid towards the cultural element of it. You know, I mean, there's, there's very, there's very, um, I mean, it's all washing. It's the, it's culture washing, green washing. None of it's legitimate. There's, WSL has no soul, so not, nothing that it does is actually real. It's all like, yeah, they're going to put, you know, have the whatever, kava ceremony or whatever that drink. Is it kava in Fiji? 
in Fiji, yeah, Kava. Yeah, they're gonna have the Kava ceremony there, you know, and do the thing. They're gonna do whatever kind of paddle the lay into the lineup at wherever. They're gonna do all the cultural stuff. They're not going to care, or it's it's going to all of it's meaningless and completely, you know, just theater. Like it is exactly empty theater. But and to your point, worse than just like making it about the mechanics and like trying to make it objective and all of the, you know, forgetting all of the, the meaning behind it. Uh, they're going to do that through the year. And then they're going to even crumple that bad job up, throw it in the trash and have lower trestles be, be right. the end of event. Like once they decided to do that, it makes the entire year meaningless. Like it's vaguely entertaining for us, but really it's meaningless until Philippe Toledo wins at trestles. Right. Well, that's yeah, it. Exactly. That's the end. And the first, the fifth place women's finisher beats Carissa Moore. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Then that's it. That's so, the tour. so I like that Billy referenced that, even though I agree with what you said about him from a personal point. But back to the Dahui backdoor shootout. It's obviously a team event. Volcom won in first, snapped, got second. A new Earth project got third, and Tubos Peru got fourth. Mo Fridas won the SUP division, and fifteen-year-old. Mananalu Chandler won the longboard division, the youngest mm -hmm. winner ever of a Dewey title. So congratulations to everyone there. Uh, pretty cool event. And we've got a pros in the wild call that Exciting. almost directly relates to this. I know it's been a while since we've uh, played a pros in the wild or read a pros in the wild, but this one says, what's up, David? I've got a story you might be interested in. It was April 2021, and my girlfriend and I were finally planning to take our vacation to Hawaii that we had planned a year prior but had to cancel due to COVID. Hawaii had just... What? Baba. You want Baba? Okay. Give me a break. Let me, yeah. let me get a Baba ready. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. No worries. Hawaii had just reopened and my uncle who lives on the North shore invited us to stay with him. I was hesitant to go as I paid attention in history class and know what happened to Hawaii. The last time a Howley came with a foreign disease, but after some research and consultation with family and friends that live on the islands, we decided that it was okay to go upon arrival in Oahu. We were greeted with mixed reactions. Those that clearly worked in the tourism industry were overly energetic upon our arrival, stating that they were out of work for a year because of the COVID lockdown, so they were excited to see us. But others were clearly not so stoked that mainlanders were back and they only shot us dirty looks over their surgical masks. We arrived at my uncle's house at Sunset Beach, famished from the long journey. We did some iPhone research and saw that there was a Thai food truck around the corner. So we hopped over to satiate our hunger. The line was long, probably about 10 people in front of us, but we were so hungry that we didn't have the energy to find another option. The line kept growing behind us to where there were at least 30 or 40 people waiting in line. Then all of a sudden, a big Toyota Tundra slowly exits Cam Highway and proceeds to flash its brights at the line as an indicator for the line to disperse. Not wanting to get run over, we all cleared off to the right, and this tundra with a large Tahui sticker on the back pulls up directly to the food truck. The lights go off, the door opens, and out steps Mr. Eddie Rothman. Uncle Eddie. I was, aw <laughs> I was awestruck. 
I had heard many stories of the infamous Eddie, uh, but never had I seen him in the flesh. My girlfriend doesn't surf, but she saw my eyes go wide and asked loudly, who is that? I nudged her and said, shh, I'll tell you later. Mr. Rothman goes around to the side of the food truck, grabs a bag of food, gets back in his car, backs out, and then takes off on a cam highway. Upon returning to my uncle's house, I was I convinced her to watch Busting Down the Door. And when Eddie came on the screen, she blurts out, no way, that's the Thai food truck guy. I've tried to introduce her to other surfing greats. Uh, Tom Curran, she saw the Jerry Lopez doc, Mo the Momentum Generation doc, etc. I've showed her many old school legends, but the only one that sticks out is Eddie Rothman because of our Thai food truck experience work. Epic. Eddie Rothman, that's a great one. I absolutely love it. Eddie Rothman in person is every bit Eddie Rothman from lore, which is what makes Eddie Rothman, Eddie Rothman. Like, it's not like you meet him and think, oh, this guy's nice or whatever, or because he is, he's all like, he's, I mean, Eddie is a complex character. That's why he was so fun to write. But uh, yeah, Eddie is every bit Eddie when yeah. you see Eddie in the wild. Funny, him and his giant tundra. Uh, he's and always, of course, North Shore style, had those big trucks. Uh, the I was in Halayiva. I can't remember if it was the contest or what, but Eddie was there and Eddie and I were talking and had to, uh, Eddie didn't have a car, someone had to give him a lift somewhere and uh, maybe back to his house. But all I had rented a, I think it was lime green, uh, light lime green Fiat 500, one of those tiny Fiats. <laughs> and so, yeah, me and Eddie just cruising the North Shore, cruising the cam, him shotgun in my tiny Fiat is one of my happier memories of all time. That is so funny. What an image. Yeah. Um, too bad weekend vans isn't posted up in Hawaii. Because you no could have kidding. styled them out in luxury. No kidding. Eddie, I'm sure would take one. The ship. The well, ship weekend, anyway. weekend Vans, we've introduced a couple of weeks ago. It's weekendvans.com. And of course, on Instagram at Weekend Vans. Listeners have done such a good job hitting them up, leaving comments, telling them to get us a podcast van, that it is happening. It's literally happening or figuratively happening? It's literally happening. And so the deal that we kind of worked out was... Um, I told you last week that they're introducing a rental uh, line of vans. Which is so, genius because everybody should totally try genius. before you buy, right? Like you may exactly. think that Sprinter Life is for you and it may well be for you, but you should at least dip your toe in that water before committing. Exactly. So that's the idea. And I was like, hey, we don't need you to like give me a van. You know, obviously it's a huge expense, um, but you have a rental fleet and they're not necessarily all being used at all times. I really only need it to record the podcast. I don't need to park it in my driveway and live in the thing, but maybe we do, you know, uh, a trip up to Santa Cruz to record four or five podcasts over the course of a few days. So we could use it for that. Or I could just drive it down to Chaz and pick him up. We can go to the beach, record at the beach, go surfing, just spend a day in it. You don't even need it overnight. So I think that is, or specifically, that is what we're going to do. Thank you, A, listeners. And B, I think this is long. You and I doing a little road trip is long overdue. Taking the show on the road, going to Santa Cruz, doing one in San Diego, doing a show in San Clemente, right? Like figuring out how to do a public show, I think has been long, long overdue. And Weekend Vans is going to be the thing that kicks us over. Completely. And by the way, Joel Tudor's 
uh, getting changed in the parking lot, jump in the van. We've got yep. a couple of questions for you. Jo join the show. You know what I mean? So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities like that on the fly. We'll schedule interviews and guests and stuff like that, but there'll also be just opportunities that pop up. So thank you listeners. Thank you. Weekend vans officially um, just so people are aware the business is, they buy sprinter vans and kit them out for you to have a camper. So you've seen these types of vans, uh, mainly in San Diego, but elsewhere as well. Well, these guys do it better than anybody else. They've done a lot of them at this point. They're fully dialed. They do it for cheaper than you could do it on your own, cheaper than other people do it, and it's better. So just go to their Instagram account or their website at weekendvans or weekendvans.com, and you can check it out and see what we're talking about. And this is an investment in your family. Like you get this thing, you do road trips with the family, the kids dig it. It's incredible. So. Yep. Perfect. And again, don't even attempt to do it anywhere else or with anyone else like weekend vans, surfer owned. They know exactly what you need and they're not. I feel that at some level surfer on surfer business is I trust a surfer. Maybe we shouldn't. Right. But I totally do. And I feel that there is uh, honor amongst this group of thieves. And yeah, if you're going to get a, if you're going or in the sprinter van market, get yourself a weekend van. All of that was in reference to Eddie Rothman. I had a closing Eddie Rothman thought that I now can't access. It was about the, you had them in the Fiat. Oh, yeah. the Thai food truck is where yes. I was thinking. Have you been to that Thai food truck in Sunset Beach? Uh, yes, I have. It's really good. It's incredible. It's incredibly it, good. It's so good. I yeah. forget. I forget the dish that we got, but it was the best version of that dish that I've had anywhere on the planet, including Thailand. Yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, I can never have this anywhere else because it'll all pale in comparison. I mean, the, so, North, but the, the North Shore is a weird uh, culinary like adventure. I mean, the Spam Wusabi at the Foodland there is world-class. The, what is it? How Pia Pie? Is it the- Yeah, How Pia Pie. Yeah, how Pia Pie at uh, Ted's Bakery, if Ted's is still there, is all time. Like, there's things on the North Shore that are the best in class. Totally. Yeah, and that that Thai food is right there amongst it. Um, yeah, anyways, okay, let's go to commercial break. We will come back with Barrel or Not. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. 
linkedinjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, Chaz Smith, we are back from commercial. The I, uh, Escargot at Lele's. That's oh, really? Have you ever had the Escargot at Lele's? It's honestly the best Escargot I've ever had in my entire life at Lele's. Wow. Right there at Turtle Bay. I don't know. I don't even think it's called Lele's anymore, but yeah. I Yeah, that's weird. I would never expect that. Incredible Escargot. Mm, good to know. I'll try it next time I'm there. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to get much more patience out of Austin at this point. Great. So I think barrel we do nose. some barrel or nas and... Uh, then I give him some attention. Do it. Uh, this one comes from a listener, and it's also in reference to a big news story this week in the surf world. DLS and Chaz, Barrel or Nah, quote, getting into the wine industry or collabing with your rad adventure buddies to shill alcohol because it's, quote, sustainable. Interesting to hear you guys take since you've been in the wine industry. Uh, I know action sports guys have done this with beer like St. Archer. And this seems more genuine because there is a sustainable bent, but it still leaves a poor taste in my mouth. I love the Gudang bros. I love uh, Jeremy Jones, but I doubt they've been sipping on wine and trying to come up with ways to make packaging more sustainable. I guess the answer, um, but I guess this answers your question about what the Gudangs will do after Vans. Dane is so stoked that probably every wine that he's ever tasted, he's like super stoked on the minerality of this one, or this other one is a super sick jam bomb with a big smile on his face. Anyways, would love to hear your thoughts. Keep work, Dave. Uh, so this is in reference to the announcement of Revel Shine. Wine. Revel Shine wine, which the the uh, twist on Revel Shine is it comes in a aluminum bottle, not a glass bottle. Uh, that's the that's the conceit. Uh, so with, did you read, there was a funny comment in the beach crit comments, which was question, how do you make a, uh, 
how do you make a small fortune in the wine business? Start with a huge fortune. Exactly. Start with a huge fortune. So apparently, and I am unaware of all these things, but you would know better than me, David Lee Scales, but the, uh, what you think of, oh, alcohol is just profit, 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 right? Like it's recession proof. It is on and on and on and on. Get in the booze biz. Uh, apparently it's not so wonderful, is it? No, it's not. And it, that <laughs> that old adage, that joke is 100% true. You know, even the most famous California wineries, they don't make as much money as what that person made before they invested in the winery. They're kind of investing all that money just to have a lifestyle business, essentially. Um, if it then gets bought out by a big bigger brand or whatever, a big distribution company, then that's what you're really hoping for. And that's where you'll see the return on the investment. But for every big buyout, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of losses, you know, people who just dumped all of their savings into a black hole. So it's a tough nut to crack, but when it does, like the St. Archer story, I think, you know, it entices everybody else to, to do it. And then you just see a bunch of failures. And I don't, I really truly do love Jeremy Jones, love the Goodangs, love everybody involved with this, except for Salema Masakela. Uh, and so I wish them the best, but I don't understand if you're going to do something sustainable. So wine comes in glass bottles, which are wonderfully recyclable, most commonly. It also can come in boxes, which I would imagine are also recyclable. Yep. I don't know how the aluminum flex, if wine came in plastic jugs, then I'd say, great, you're giving me a sustainable option here. I do not, the wine better be really good to come in a aluminum bottle. There's a, a uh, winery out of Oregon, I can't remember what it's called, but they do wine in a can that I'll get occasionally. And uh, is it Underwood? Underwood, exactly. And I only get that wine in a can if I need wine in a can, right? Yeah. Uh, like if I'm You're going, going to a concert. Or, yeah, I need yeah. for whatever the, that one to two times a year that I need wine in a can, but the wine is not great. Uh, the can, I think, harms it a bit. Or it feels like not so great. And so, yeah. It officially doesn't, it like scientifically officially does not taint it, you know, but it, the taste of the metal on your lips and the taste of the wine passing through it does affect me. Like it yeah. doesn't taste as good as wine out of a glass, you know? Yeah. So look, I wish these guys the best of luck best and of luck. hopefully they'll have success. Um, but in relation to our listeners inquiry about quote, Barrel and Awe getting into the wine industry, I'm going to say nah. I'm going to say um, it's risky business as an investment. And then if you're just looking to become a wine rep or whatever, it's risky business for becoming an alcoholic as well. So it's best, I think, to keep it as a passion that you enjoy and not try to make a living off of it. I'm going to go barrel in terms of anything that is a passion. Don't let finances stand in the way. Go out there and do you, man. Look, don't let finances stand in the way, but also don't Piss do it eight away. hours a day, yeah. five days a week yeah. is my concern there too, you know? Yeah. So I have friends in the wine business who like, you know, have wineries or work in wine country or they're winemakers. And that is a beautiful lifestyle. I see all of the charm in that. And I think they're very happy and they, you know, whatever they do great and they love it, but it's, it comes with a lot of risk in those ways that we already stated. So I'm going to say steer clear, 
enjoy it as a passion. Your, um, your advice here better than mine. Okay. Well, I've got another one from a listener, which this has come up actually a lot. I've just never mentioned it before, but uh, I'll let them deliver it. For the grit. Well, Uncle Chaz and Uncle David, which I feel I have the right to call you. I've been listening to this podcast since I was a teenager when I met Chaz at a surf event. And now I'm in our mid-20s as a functioning member of society, which I believe I only have the wise advice of Chaz Smith and David Scales to thank. So uh, I realized during all this time, I've only ever listened to The Grit at one-time speed. Never sped it up to fit it in the drive or get through a long podcast. I always felt that the podcast must be consumed the way it was recorded. You wouldn't chug down a $2,000 bottle of wine. So, barely or not, speeding up podcasts. Keep work. So, I was unaware that people even did this, and I've always seen there's a little button on your podcast player that says 1.5 speed, and then I think you can go faster than that as well. And I've had people comment in the comment sections of our shows, and they're like, especially Australians for some reason, they're like, Americans talk so slow. The only way I can listen to that show is at 1.5 speed. And I'm like, wow, I've never considered doing it, but people do it. So what are your thoughts? Wow. Well, this this ties into a Raider phenomena. Like, uh, so daughter and I, 11-year-old, just turned 11, share a Spotify account. Uh, and... So a lot of her, you know, whatever like songs, they, they'll filter now into my, what, what Spotify yeah. serves me up. And there's a whole trend of songs sped up, like where it is sped up version is, you know, Taylor Swift, da, 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 sped up version where, wow. and Taylor kind of sounds like a little bit of a mouse and nothing really besides the song changes other than the singer's voice is sped up. Uh, so this is a phenomenon happening uh, as it relates to our podcast. I mean, Yes, I would say it's a barrel to 1.5 the grit. Uh, it is no barrel to 1.5. Whose podcast would you listen to for their voice, right? Where there are out there, I think, ones that it's the tone, it's the delivery, it's the kind of the gravitas of of all of that, that it's part and parcel with why what makes the podcast good. Uh, like if... I don't know who, if who's the dad on secession, Brian Cox, if yeah, Brian yeah, yeah. Cox had a podcast, then how dare you 1.5 that, right? You listen to that. You savor that you and I are the Coors light of podcasts. So <laughs> beer bong this thing, man, like shotgun. it. That's what I was going to say too. It takes us lots of times, 90 minutes to come up with like kind of the essence of what I was trying to say at the beginning yep. of the show, you know? So I think there's probably um, three good minutes in a 90 minute episode. And so you can kind of just push through most of it. And then yep. you'll, you'll hear us babbling a lot and then you'll get the main gist of it at the end. And yep. that's fine. Have you, have you so, ever listened to us in 1.5? I've never listened to anything in 1.5. I'm going to, I'm going to, after this is done, I'm going to 1.5 us and see how we go. That's my, and there's what, other things. There's other things that I listen to that are so dense that I can't keep up at once at the real speed, you know, like they're delivering so much information and it's kind of like, I'm learning so much. I almost have to go back and listen a second time. If I sped that up, I'd miss everything. Whereas you and I, the exact opposite, delivering exactly. very little information in a very long format. Long time. But I, but I, cause there needs to be, you, you can't have everything as, you know, 25 year barrel aged peat whiskey. You right. also need. Coors Light. You sure. and I, Coors Light.
chug us baby i'm I'm fine with it yeah chug it down (laughs) um final barrel or not bringing back the phrase hot dogging in surfing i like it barrel i'm barrel already like i love it that guy's a hot dogger kids these days all they do is hot dog every bit of it i'm in i'm barrel i can't i feel ashamed that it's dropped out of my vocabulary so i read it last week in the eos write-up on um the Ninja Turtle guy, Gary Proper. Gary Proper in EOS write-up, it was like he was the he brought uh the East Coast hot dogging to the world, I think is what the quote was. And I was like, hmm, why don't we talk about Felipe Toledo hot dogging his way through lowers? Yeah. He did. He did. He hot dogged that thing. You know what I mean? And it's like he is the ultimate hot dogger at lowers. And it just, I like it. I think it's uh it has a place. Okay, but to your to your point, okay, is hot dogging a subtle slur? Is it like a light denigration of something? Is hot dogging not as like if a guy is ripping? I mean, does hot dogging replace ripping or is hot dogging something different? Is hot dogging like mm, it's showy and it's flashy, but it's not really quality? I see what you're saying. When it was originally introduced, it was for high performance maneuvering let's say or just more maneuvering on a longboard that was traditionally less maneuverable okay so, so it wasn't just a good though right because you would have had the traditionalist thinking this guy's wiggling his bottom out there doing these twisty turns hot dog the traditionalists the traditionalists would have phil edwards would have looked at nat young's hot dogging and been like i would never try to hot dog yeah you know so it was it was derogatory for the traditionalist um, but yeah, and and you're right. Like now when you're talking about shortboarding, like quote ripping, that also feels different than quote hot dogging. So maybe we reserve hot dogging for something in the middle that is mid-length related, you know? Okay. Okay. Making it like, so Devin Howard, hot dogs. Devin, Devin Howard, definitely hot dogging. Yeah, I'd say Devin, Devin Howard is definitely hot dogging. Okay, we figured it out. Devin Howard is out there on a, let's call it a more traditional craft. Let's call the mid-length a, it, mid-length is definitely not a high performance board. And yet we have Devin Howard out there doing big old wraparound turns. They're all smooth and stuff, but they're hot yeah. doggies. Devin yeah. Howard's a hot dogger. So it's it's not derogatory in my mind. Like the way that we're using it isn't saying like he's gyrating too much. No, no. It's it's that he's ripping on a slightly more traditional style board. Yeah, he's ripping because what Felipe Toledo what Felipe Toledo is doing, you know, going backwards and blowing the fins out and all that kind of stuff. It's I mean, there could be a sausage related reference in there, <laughs> like <laughs> like hot dogging is mid lengthening. But Felipe Toledo's is knock worsting yeah. or something like that. We need to oh. find a different phallic tube of meat. Yeah, perfect. To, I love for it. each portion of surfing. I yes, think. I totally love it. And it, it makes perfect sense. And it's something that's missing. It's a whole category yeah. of how to talk about something that's missing because we've all flattened everything to ripping or non-ripping, right? I get ripped. Right. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't really rip. Like there's way more nuance in what we are experiencing and seeing than just the word ripping. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to come Back up with it. a list, list for next week of um, encased, encased meats. Perfect. Phallic, Phallic shapes. Yeah. Yeah. Because every country has one, you sure. know, or multiple. Yeah. 
chorizo. There's breakfast versions. Yeah, yeah. There's breakfast versions. There's dinner versions. There's yeah. So, okay, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this and then we'll apply them accordingly. It'll take some time. It's a big project, but it we'll is. get to it. We will. We'll do it. All right. That's what we do here. We do the work, not that's good true. work. We do the work. Exactly. All right. Well, Hey, great show. Thank you. Of course, weekend vans We're thrilled to be partnered with them. What an organic relationship that was coming direct from a listener who's doing a cool business. And uh, we found applicability for it on the show. And I really love, I mean, I do feel again, I'll state it again, that it's time to uh, evolve the show into, or having a forward facing component, being out there with the fans. Exactly. Now that you're a vlogger, people know what you look like. You gotta exactly. go meet the peeps. Exactly. Cool. And we'll do it, of course, all fueled by AG1, drinkag1.com slash surf. It's part of our lives. It keeps us going, keeps our brains functioning, keeps our gut healthy. Keeps our so, mouths talking nice and slow. Keeps our families healthy too. Our whole families are in uh, uh, drinkag1.com slash surf. It's true. It's so true. anyways, beachgrid.com for everything else. Tons of surf news coming out. Uh as we go into the WSL season and the waves are pumping in Hawaii and elsewhere. So check all of that out. And then Chaz is at surf journalist and I am at surf splendor on Instagram, share the show with friends. That's how we grow. Chaz, anything else? That's it. And thanks to Austin for putting up with this today. Can you believe a two-year-old <laughs> right on cue? Just cracking. You know what I had available if he really got rambunctious and I didn't even need it? Whiskey. The secret sauce. Oh, yeah. Does he get one now for being so good? I think maybe we should. It's a chocolate chip cookie for those who aren't watching on YouTube. Hey, Oz, you want to see what I got? Cookie. This is yours. You can have it. Enjoy. Wow, That's cookie thing and an iPad people. done and dusted. And now it must be nice. Yep. All right, Chaz, thank you. Until next week. Keep work.